interrupts Otis's caterpillar, and I don't think that we've touched on Otis's caterpillar yet, have we, Michael? No, we haven't, and the more we keep saying that, the more it sounds like we're talking about something else. (laughs) Men are pretty notorious for doing super stupid shit to try to impress (laughs) women. Hello, lovers. It's me, the Homecoming King, here at Wrestling Academy. And with me, as always, the lover boy himself, (laughs) Headmaster Michael Classic. Michael, guess what? What? I love you, dude. Hey, I love you, too. Hey. It's a Valentine's Day episode. Love is in the air. (laughs) We're going to take a break from all the wrestling, you know, which can be a very chaotic, violent sport. And we just wanted to focus on something wholesome this week for because it's Valentine's Day, Sammy. It is Valentine's Day. And this this episode really just is a reminder to everybody that love wins. Love always wins, especially in the (laughs) WWE. And we're going to get into it this week. I'm so excited. But before we jump in. And talk about the episode and cover what we're going to talk about today, which is the the ballad of Otis and Mandy Ooh Rose, la the 2019-2020. So very, you know, very recent storyline we're going to be covering. But before we get into that, Sammy, what is mm. this? What is Wrestling Academy? What is this podcast that we're doing? Wrestling Academy is a podcast that you and I started. I am a new fan of wrestling and you are a lifelong fan of wrestling. And we have big dreams to share wrestling in this welcoming, easily digestible way. And so we started Wrestling Academy to be a resource. So if you're new to wrestling and you're like, I kind of want to look into mm, Terry Funk, but I don't know where to start. Tune into our Terry Funk episode, and then you'll 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 probably be very, very excited to look into more Terry Funkness after the episode. That's Wrestling Academy to me. <laughs> That's right. No matter what your experience level is, we just love that you're here and we love you and we love love and it's Valentine's Day and we're so excited. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> I love this. I think what we Sammy, I think what you love even more than doing this podcast with me mm-hmm. is I think you love what's going to happen when we finally reach 1000 subscribers on YouTube. And that is, you're going to put me through a goddamn table for real, like Dudley Boys style. You're going to pick me up and slam my ass through a table if and only Mm -hmm. if we get a thousand subscribers. And I love that. And I don't, I don't stay up until one in the morning being like, why did I, (laughs) why did I agree to that? Like, I'm, it's going to hurt. My back sucks. I'm going to die. Here's what we're not talking about is that we will both end up in the hospital after this (laughs) and the money that it takes <laughs> to get us out of the collections from being in the hospital for as long as we need to be in the hospital, we're going to need more than 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> to pay for My it. back is made of jelly and your knees are made of hard boiled eggs. And we're just going <laughs> to explode when we hit that table. But we want to do it because we love this shit and we love you and we love podcasting. <laughs> We do. We love wrestling so much. It's Valentine's Day and we're going to drive this bit into the ground. We love stuff. (laughs) We love it. We love stuff. So, Sammy, that's one of our Mm. goals. But we have another goal that we've kind of been on the loose lately thinking about. (laughs) During our Royal Rumble episode, we covered the 2008 Royal Rumble and your keen eye found something 
captured your heart? Found a, a mystery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in the background of truly 90 to 100% of the shots, there is a kid making faces directly at the camera. He's right on the entrance ramp. So you see him a lot. And Sammy's making the faces out. They're all flawless. We think this kid is so funny, but we don't know anything about him. All we know for mm-hmm. sure is he's wearing a yellow ween shirt. And so we've just started, we've kicked off a grand search to try to see if we can get in contact with with ween kid to see if we can interview him for the podcast because we think he's so funny and we just want to chat wrestling with him for a little bit. And so we've started our search and we, we've just dubbed it the hunt for ween kid, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we're using the hashtag who is Ween Kid? So anytime you want to see where the search has progressed, just search hashtag Ween Kid on Instagram or go to our website, www.wrestlingacademy.university. And if you have any tips or anything, there's a section of the of the website where you can do that, right? M- Michael spent hours adding this. I spent this. a significant portion of my life trying to teach myself <laughs> website design so I could set up an anonymous <laughs> tip box so people who might have any scrap of information about Ween Kid could help us get closer to the truth. We know the truth is out there and we just, look, listen, everybody, we're going full unsolved mysteries on this. Like we have to find Ween Kid. And I- I haven't told you this, Sammy, but I this is real. Mm. I have become so obsessed with Ween. Like it's it's overtaken my life. Like I've just been no. I've just been like out. It's been disrupting my life the amount I've been taking <laughs> no. this investigation seriously. I was out with some friends earlier mm-hmm. this week and we, you know, it's just like a nice we're like out, we're like out at a bar, and everybody keeps being like, Michael, you're being so quiet. What's going on? And I just fully was you know, because it's raining in LA. So I'm just staring mm-hmm. at this rain soaked window, just haunted, ghost pale, paler than I normally am. <laughs> no. And people are like, Michael, what's going on? And I was like, I didn't know how to contextualize that in my mind, I was rolling over the fact that I had discovered the Ticketmaster page for the 2008 <laughs> Madison Square Garden layout for the Royal Rumble. And in my mind, I was like, okay. So like, this is here. I think I know what section Ween Kid was in. And it's like, is there any way I can get in contact with somebody who might've worked at Madison Square Garden in 2008? (laughs) And then my friends are like, hey, we're talking about life and love and goals and family and career. What are you thinking about? And I, I had to explain to them that I was just like, think I've been thinking about Ween Kid every second of the day. So when we hit, when we hit stop record, I just mm-hmm. want you to know, I, I am carrying the investigation in my mind. I'm taking this so seriously. And it got to the point where four other times throughout the night, somebody just had to stop me and be like, are you thinking about Ween Kid again? And I was like, <laughs> I am. I can't. I can't. Ween is on the brain. Like, I'm Ween obsessed. Like You're listening I, I to Ween start- over and over again. I started listening to La Cucaracha, which is the album <laughs> that Ween put out right before <laughs> right before 2008 and i was like there's gotta be i I gotta get the headspace i gotta be here like i'm it's been two weeks of us on the search and i've already i'm in too deep sammy i so i need i don't think you're deep enough i need help i need the audience i need people to to give us tips to keep this investigation going because otherwise i might go true detective crazy on this so i need (laughs) i need clues otherwise i'm gonna go nuts help us out help you out what do you think you need what type of information do you need from us right now do you want to find people who have sat in the front areas 
in, in big pay-per-view events? Like, how do, do you want to know how they got there? What's a what's an easy answer that people can give you? So I think the biggest thing for me that I'm trying to narrow down in my head currently mm-hmm. is I'm tracking the shirt. I'm trying to figure <laughs> out is that like how long has this particular brand of Ween shirt been in circulation? Because I saw on one Reddit thread that this was a 2007 summer tour exclusive. But then mm-hmm. I saw on Ween's website that it's in support of an album that's been out since 1990. So I feel like if I can crack mm. where, how old is the shirt, I might be able to narrow down based on <laughs> we based on Ween's tour schedule <laughs> where where Ween Kid could have possibly been. I'm not above looking at blurry concert photos and scanning for faces as though I were some kind of machine. Not above it. I just need to know is that is that going to be outright a waste of time or should I just do it? I think it's helpful for people to know that if there are any paywalls and stuff that we run into or maybe you're launching your own investigation to help us find Ween Kid and you run into a paywall, I will happily pay up to $25 six times in order to find Ween Kid. It's <laughs> pretty huge. Look, that's how huge. serious we're taking this. So <laughs> look, if you have any information on Ween on what it takes to sit front row at a pay-per-view in 2008, or if you are Ween Kid or no Ween Kid, any of those pieces of information, or if at any point you've worked at Madison Square Garden, I would love Mm -hmm. to talk to somebody there. 100%. So again, go to wrestlingacademy.university if you want to use the anonymous tip line. Is that what we're calling it? The anonymous tip line? Yeah, so we have like we have a four like if you want to just do it via email, we've like got a thing where you can where you can submit, but we also have a hotline that you can call yeah, in maybe. and you're not going to talk it's just going to go straight to voicemail. So if you have a clue and you want to leave us a voicemail, we have a number that you can call. It's the Ween Kid tip line and just <laughs> like look, we just want to talk. We just want to we just want to talk about wrestling. And tell mm-hmm. this kid that we think he's super funny. So this is all in good fun. We're not we're, we're not trying to do anything crazy or ruin anybody's life here. So no, not at all. If you have a if, if you have a, a clue that can get us back on the right track, let me know because I just want you to know I carry this investigation with me in my life. <laughs> all right. So that that number to leave us a voicemail is 708-669-4512. Seven zero eight six six nine four five one two. It's the Ween Kid tip line. The hunt is on, and <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna win this. We're gonna win this. Truth and justice will prevail. <laughs> so, this is fully in our outro. We say we commit to the bit. That's why our website is wrestlingacademy.university. You are seeing live how committed to bits we get. Michael is daydreaming in groups of people about a teenager in a ween shirt. This this is the commitment. This I don't is, love how you say I don't are. love how you phrase that, by the way. Like, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not just sitting here fantasizing about a teenage boy. <laughs> yeah, you're you're just sitting there fantasizing about finding that teenage boy. <laughs> He's my age now. Like <laughs> You're right. If anything, I'm (laughs) fantasizing about meeting somebody my same age. That's what I want. (laughs) And have him reminisce about, well, I'm blushing. I'm so (laughs) funny.
Okay, so help us find Ween Kid. 708-669-4512. Sammy, that's that's the future. What are we yeah. talking about today? As you mentioned, we're talking about Otis and Mandy Rose in this really cute, captivating story that spanned over the end of 2019 and over to 2020. One of the most tumultuous time periods that we've lived through, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, look, a lot of crazy things were going on outside of wrestling in the world, and I do think that wrestling fans who were plugged into this storyline, it was a a genuinely wholesome, nice, sweet reprieve from everything that was going on that was like really crazy and really uncertain that we just got to see truly unfold before our eyes week to week. We got to see a genuine romantic comedy it felt like we were watching Mm -hmm. like a never been kissed or a yeah or a she's all that type situation happening in wrestling right before our eyes because again i think you can attest that wrestling rarely is sweet it's all about machismo and violence Mm -hmm. and betrayal and trying to be the best in competition and being cutthroat. And then every once in a while you get a story that's a complete outlier. It go, it runs completely counter to everything that's going on. And it's so fun and it's so cute that it just works. And I think that's what this storyline is today. So let's, let, let's break down the, uh, the main players in this story. So who, who is Otis? The love story takes place between two characters, between Otis and Mandy Rhodes. So Otis is part of a tag team called Heavy Machinery. And Heavy Machinery was a group that a tag team, two guys, they debuted July 22nd, 2016 in the WWE developmental brand NXT. So they were kind of these young up and comers and something to know about NXT at the time is they were going for a lot of talent that was very popular on the American indie scene. So Mm -hmm. That favored a lot of smaller, slimmer guys who could flip around a lot. And so I think heavy machinery was brought in specifically to be like, okay, well, we've got all these like high flyers. What if we just brought in some like big, beefy guys who could be a real challenge to these like smaller, more acrobatic performers? And so they brought in this group called Heavy Machinery, and they are just two big, big lads, sort of Midwest bodybuilder or not bodybuilder but power lifters so power lifters mm-hmm. aren't necessarily physique guys but they're strong guys and they're big guys and i would say otis and his part his tag team partner tucker were exactly that and so they were right. kind of branded as these blue collar lifting uh, lifting crazy amounts of weight and getting into that kind of thing and so when they're first presented they're presented as these no nonsense take care of business kind of guys. And Mm -hmm. Otis himself was an amateur wrestler. Like he was wrestling at that level right up until he, he joined the WWE. So he, he's got real fighting credentials. And then when they brought him in, it became abundantly clear that heavy machinery are just a lot more charismatic than they were being presented. And they're a lot, they're naturally funny guys. And Mm -hmm. so they slowly started to evolve the characters to the point where Otis and Tucker became a lot more in line with Chris Farley type of goofball, high energy characters. And their whole thing was stakes and weights, baby. And Otis had a very particular way of talking where he's just like, oh, yeah, I'm Otis. Oh, yeah. And so it's like had a just like 
broad comedic character is what Otis was playing. So that's 2016. By the time we get to 2019, they make their their debut on the main roster. So now they're on WWTV every week and they're officially these goofball, charismatic characters ready to make their mark on the WWE. Before we move on to Mandy Rose, I just I just want to mention that the heavy machinery theme song starts out with just construction trucks noises. And I just, I really love that. And it's funny that they pivoted away from that get shit done uh, mentality, but they didn't change the theme song at all. <laughs> so it's just, just construction noise and then just like heavy metal guitar riffs. I think in a lot of ways, they're hearkening back to an older type of character where mm-hmm. they were actually characters who were like, we're our big thing is we're blue collar guys and we don't lift regular weights. We lift barrels and we eat huge steaks. Macho man, <laughs> Randy Savage esque. I'm mm-hmm. just being like, Ooh, yee, like that yeah. kind of vibe. I do think even when they're rebranded as comedy characters, having truck noises. Oh yeah. That's gonna, <laughs> that fits what they're all about. <laughs> yeah. So they went from being, they went from being badass blue collar guys to blue collar guys who just like to have fun. Otis is in the highest, um, what's that type of shirt called? Crop top? I've ever seen uh, in my entire life. He's got the croppiest of crop tops. <laughs> that boy is cropped. <laughs> yeah, he's, the one thing you can't say about Otis is, those shirts are cropped. They're cropped. He's cropping them. <laughs> he also wears trunks, and there's only two times in this storyline that we see him wear pants. And I am fully shocked. And he, to me, is like unrecognizable the two times that he wears pants. And I don't understand. I don't understand why. Let's put a pin in that because I've got a sure. lot more to say about that later. <laughs> okay, perfect. I got a lot of stuff to say about Otis and pants. <laughs> perfect. All right. So Mandy Rose is a former fitness competition competitor. I don't really know how to say that, but she's all, she was also a bodybuilder before she got onto season six of Tough Enough in 2015. And she actually ended up going all the way until second place, which I think is good. I don't know how Tough Enough works, but it seems like a regular competition show. So ending up in second place is great. And so she ends up in uh, NXT and she debuts alongside Sonya Deville, who is the other member of Fire and Desire. So Heavy Machinery is Otis and Tucker and Fire and Desire is Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose. And so Sonya is also on season six of Tough Enough, but unfortunately she's eliminated pretty quickly. She's a third person eliminated. That doesn't stop her from quickly signing with WWE. She's in the NXT program, and she, as I said, debuts with Mandy Rose in 2017, and she's also a mixed martial artist and the first openly lesbian wrestler in WWE, which is wild to me because it's, 2017 it's 2015 bless you sonia deville good job yeah i i would also say probably not the safest place 2015 for people of of different you know sexual and gender identity you know what i mean it just doesn't seem like so yeah it's it's like yeah i do agree i think it happened way too late but i do think it's very cool that she is trailblazing in the wwe and also i think even if she got taken out, what was it, third in the Tough Enough competition. Her mm-hmm. credentials, she's an MMA fighter. Like, she's just so legit that mm-hmm. I think you would be hard. And especially you see her in the ring. She's really good. And so she I do rules, think yeah. it's 
I do think it's one of those pickups where even if maybe in the competition didn't do so great, it's like, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the sports entertainment stuff, she's kind of got everything we're looking for in ring and presentation wise. So I think, yeah, I think she was always going to end up at WWE no matter how well she did and tough enough. Yeah, that's totally fair to say. And so, like you said, in 2017, they debut Mandy and Sonya as part of a group called Absolution, which was put together by a wrestler named Paige, who people might remember as being Soraya in AEW. So right now her character, her name is Soraya. But in the WWE, her name was Paige, and she put together this group called Absolution, and it was going to be the three Mm -hmm. of them. But pretty quickly, Paige got a career-threatening neck injury and had to basically get out of formal competition. And so they had to quickly pivot out of absolution. And so they kept Mandy and Sonya together and that's how they became fire desire that we know today. And I think the thing that's the most important to know about fire and desire and absolution before that is they're heels. They're bad guys Mm -hmm. in the Mm storyline. So right before the story picks up properly, they are absolutely feuding with the good guys, the baby faces. They're jumping people backstage and hurting <laughs> them and cheating and doing all kinds of being bullies. So Fire Desire are not presented as nice people at, at when, we, when we jump into the story. And I think that's a little bit important as we move okay. through it. So, Sammy. Yeah. Our love story picks up December 20th, 2019. It's the holiday <gasps> yeah. season. And SmackDown has an interesting tradition that year. They do an office secret Santa. And so basically, (laughs) the conceit is that every wrestler drew another member of SmackDown's name and are required to get them a gift. And so this has been (laughs) a storyline that's been running all season long. And so in the episode right before this, so the December 13th episode, Mm -hmm. Otis walks up to Sami Zayn with a huge tray and Sami Zayn is his character at the time was they presented him as conspiracy theory, Sami Zayn, (laughs) but basically every conspiracy he had was just leftist ideology. And so it was more or less (laughs) Sami Zayn is a leftist and the WWE was like, Oh, oh, this guy's got a bunch of crazy ideas about consumerism. (laughs) Come on guys. (laughs) Yeah. So Otis comes up to Sami Zayn who's a part of a group called the Artist Collective. So Shinsuke Nakamura is in it and a wrestler named Cesaro is in it. And so they're they're this sort of heel faction. But Otis, very sweet guy. He's a good guy, genuine guy. He walks up with a tray and he gives it to Sammy. And he's like, listen, Sammy, I know our tag team, Heavy Machinery, is supposed to fight Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura tonight. And those are your boys. But I drew your name in the office Secret Santa and I just wanted to give you my gift. And Sami Zayn pulls the cover back and he reveals that it is a a beautiful Wisconsin ham, I believe. (laughs) And so it's just like this whole huge slab of meat. Sami Zayn looks down and he looks up and he goes, Otis, I'm a vegan, dude. This is disgusting. This is the worst gift I've ever seen. And he starts just insulting Otis to his face and then, and then Otis's tag team partner Tucker's there and he's he feels so hurt and they're getting so fired up and they're going to have this match against the artist collective and then Shinsuke and Cesaro roll up like some high school bullies and they're basically just like oh what, what's all this crap and then Sami Zayn's like Otis gave me this horrible gift and I can't wait till you guys beat them in competition and so they leave and then before they leave Cesaro looks at the ham he picks it up and like a true jack seems like he's going to take it then throws it on the ground Ugh. The next week, 
December mm -hmm. 20th, Heavy Machinery, they've got a huge match against a tag team called The Revival. They're getting ready. And then Mandy Rose, she walks up with a with a tray and everyone's like, what's going on here? And she's like, oh, hey, Otis, I drew your name in Secret Santa. I saw what the Artist Collective did to your ham and I felt really bad about that. So I got you a new ham. Oh. And so she gives him the ham. He looks at it. He's like, take it back. He doesn't know what to do. And then she just gives him a tender little kiss on the cheek and walks away. But Sammy, <gasps> heavy machinery's matches right now. They no. have to go. To, they have to go to the ring with the ham. <laughs> they don't have time to go backstage and of just leave the ham somewhere. So they walk out to ringside and engage in. It's a yearly tradition in the WWE. They call it the Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street Fight. Oh my gosh. Yeah, oh Sammy, you gosh. really, yeah, you really had this. Really got to you. I, I want to just clear <laughs> out and give you some space to talk about the miracle on Thirty Fourth Street fight. My reaction is to the name. Whoever came up with this name, bless you. That's so funny. But one point, Wilder opens a present, and it turns out to be a bowling ball. And it's horrifying because we all know what he's going to do. He's going to use the bowling ball and hit somebody with it, which I think maybe if anybody else has intrusive thoughts, they've thought about doing this at a bowling alley. I've thought about doing this at a bowling alley. But he goes up on the ramp. He like genuinely bowling ball throws it at Tucker's body. And you noticed something um pretty fun right here one of the guys is at the top of the ramp and then they're holding tucker at the bottom of the ramp with his legs open and so they're literally gonna like bowling ball roll it down the ramp and just hit tucker in the crotch but you can see that i think they go too high up and so i think you can see tucker in his brain be like nope 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 and so he immediately moves it so that the bowling <laughs> ball hits him in the knee instead of in the crotch and i gotta so say i would have done the same thing like sometimes your body just yeah. reacts and it's like yeah you know what doesn't feel great? Getting hit in the nuts. And so I think <laughs> your body is just going to instinctively be like, no, oh, no, dude, I'm good. I'm good off that. I don't want to I don't want to get hit with a bowling ball. And so like he moves, he gets hit. And so the other thing that's happening during the street fight, the revival, at one point they throw Tucker out of the ring and he hits the commentary table, which is where they where heavy machinery was keeping the ham that Mandy Rose had just given to him. And so oh, it no. topples, it hits the ground. And then the revival, they pick up the ham, they wave it in Otis's face, they start taunting with it, and then they just spike the ham on the ground and they destroy it. And Otis freaking snaps, dude. He starts beating the crap out of everybody. He goes into the ring and he grabs a bag, right? Which we normally are like, oh, that's going to be thumbtacks. Mm -hmm. He dumps it out everywhere, Legos. And oh, then he no. slams... <laughs> he slams the revival onto the Legos oh and then God. he ends up beating them. And so they win, but the ham it's destroyed after the match. Otis uh, goes up to Mandy Rose and he's holding the tray just full of this destroyed ham. And he just wants to, oh. he's just like, Hey, I just really want to apologize. Like, I'm so sorry that your ham got destroyed. And so Mandy Rose is like, Hey, that's okay stuff happens like she you know she's a wrestler she gets that yeah sometimes people get attacked backstage and stuff gets broken so she's like hey don't even worry about it and she goes and she gives him a hug and it's like a big beautiful real hug and the camera swings in on otis's face and you can see he's been struck by keep arrow sammy yeah <sighs> he's otis might be my Otis might have a little crush. Oh, Otis does have a crush. Oh, <laughs> and, but it's confirmed. Like you can bobo. see, like like in the you can see in the close up, Cupid goes, just off frame, being like, bring. 
And then you can see him being like, I'm in love. Like you can see it happen. It's very beautiful. It's good acting. Mandy pulls away and Otis was just in a street fight. He's covered in sweat. And so Mandy's oh, beautiful no. dress, she was going to go out to the ring and support her fire and desire teammate, Sonia, but her dress is ruined. She can't go out looking like that. So now she has to leave and leave Sonia to her own devices. And Sonia loses her match within 90 seconds because yeah. Mandy wasn't there. So now, so now Sonia's like a little bit pissed off. And so sure. it's like this genuine sweet moment has kind of sparked a lot of miscommunications and it's led to a lot of raised tensions and it was just supposed to be a sweet gesture and here we are tensions are already boiling over so then we go to the december 27th episode so next week otis still feeling just so bad so terrible about everything that happened he walks up to mandy he's holding a gift and so he hands it to her and (laughs) mandy's like oh what's this and he's like hey i just felt so bad about everything that happened with the ham and with your dress. And I just feel so bad. And my mom was watching the show. She just told me that like, I need to make things right. And she is not going to take no for an answer. So she made her famous holiday fruitcake. And she wants (laughs) you to have it. And so he hands this like beautiful, kooky looking fruitcake covered in in, like icing. And he's like, you know, it's got fruit in it. So it's like healthy. So hopefully, (laughs) hopefully that's cool. And she's like, yeah, I mean, Listen, I've got a match, but thank you so much for the fruitcake. Mandy goes out. She has a match. Unfortunately, she loses the match. And so she's come back. She's sort of licking her wounds, like like trying to get her pride back. And she looks down. And what does she see? But Otis's mom's fruitcake. And she's like, just have a little taste here. Licks her finger. Tastes a little bit of it. But then she's interrupted by Dolph Ziggler. And I immediately sighed when he came into the frame. He's just, well, I'll get into what he looks like after I break down the scene. So he comes in and he's just like, hey, 2020 coming up. I'm probably busy, but you have crazy plans, right? And Mandy's like, no, not really. And then he negs her a little bit. Like, I feel like he's nagging her, but he's just like, oh, you, the Mandy Rose doesn't have any plans. And then as she's kind of trying to figure out what the hell this guy is doing, he looks over her shoulder and he's like, did you give me a gift? Like, how did he, how did he just decide her saying no to having any New Year's plans ends with her not moving from the spot that she's from? but then also has a present for him already <laughs> and it's cake. I just, this guy's a nut and he's just so this dude's delusional. delusional. He's, he's so delusional. delusional. He's like, oh, <laughs> this is all so informal and so sudden. Wow. And Mandy is like, no, this, this cake is from Otis. His mom made it for me. And then Dolph takes it from her and he starts like poking at it and the mics are, the mics are really picking up his dis- distaste of the cake. And he's just like, Oh, this is this is bad cake. And then it's some actually, real villain the, ASMR happening while he's investigating <laughs> the cake. ASMR, absolutely. And so while Mandy is explaining that the cake is from Otis's mom or Otis specifically, like Dolph does this tongue thing that I think somehow is universally accepted as well. I'm pissed off now. Where you see his, he, he just does this. He goes, okay, and it's like how. <laughs> How and when did we all understand that that means somebody's pissed off? 
yeah, hearing that this is a gift from Otis seems like it just something kind of snaps in Dolph Ziggler a little bit. And so what does he do? What does he do? He's got he's holding on to the cake now that he thought was for him. Finds out it's not for him. It's for Mandy. And it's from Otis. He starts telling a lie and he's like, oh, you know what? Well, I heard that everybody actually got a piece of this cake. Like Otis just gave one to everyone in the locker room and somebody found a cockroach in there. So let me just let me just put this cake down on the ground. And then Dolph is like, well, what would Otis know about what a woman like you wants and then Dolph just steps on the cake and a guy named King Corbin rushes over and pulls Dolph away before before Mandy can say anything yeah truly just walks up and wall to wall talks to her and tells her how she's fit like really is trying to like move and shape how she feels and what she's looking at and doing all this kind of stuff and as though he were putting out a cigarette butt (laughs) steps and like stomps and twists on the cake and i just right. in my mind I, I, I look i get it it's a real bad guy move but i was just what <laughs> like, it, it's why would you so do rude. that it is so rude to do that amount of violence to a cake and then like not even that was a gift from somebody's mom like yeah. that's a that's bad guy stuff and you know, Dolph is just a bad guy. He's made a career out of being a bad guy. His Instagram before he left WWE was Heel Ziggler. And, you know, you know, and I know that Instagram screen names are permanent. So yeah. he couldn't even change that if to face Ziggler at all. If he even if he to. wanted to, he couldn't do it. He <laughs> has he's forever a heel. But Sammy, who is yeah. like, let, let's get into it. Who is Dolph Ziggler? This guy, as far as we know, he just like wanders in like the like the captain of the football team. Who is this guy? <laughs> okay, so Dolph Ziggler, he had a pretty successful wrestling career in high school and college, which I thought was pretty interesting. He ended up at Ohio Valley Wrestling, which is one of WWE's training facilities, right? It's a much smaller wrestling promotion where basically it's like a feeder system. So they put you in Mm -hmm. there and they let you get some experience and then they might move you up to NXT. So this was kind of before NXT. This is what people do. They would go to Ohio Valley Wrestling and that was like one of the big places to get a little bit of seasoning before they put you on TV. Okay, so Dolph is seasoning himself at Ohio Valley Valley Wrestling in 2004. He moves up to Raw and then goes back to OVW, as we're calling it from now on. Then he finally debuts on Raw in 2008 under the name Ziggler. So clearly Dolph Ziggler is not his real name, but that is a very perfect name for, I feel bad saying this, but Dolph Ziggler is the perfect name for a wrestler that looks like Dolph Ziggler. Oh, absolutely. So he's so he's this guy. He's got long bleach blonde hair. He's just got perfect bad guy in a rom-com vibes to him. And he always yeah. kind of fills that role. So his character, he's kind of cocky, like kind of the I'm the best guy around. Really chiseled physique. And like, mm-hmm. you know, he's a, he's a pretty boy, but he's kind of got that bad attitude that makes him unattractive a little bit when he's a bad guy. And so he really it's like perfect. And I think he's had all kinds of acting and, and comedy training, too. So oh, he good. also has the instincts on camera to really be a heelish bad guy. And so he's 
the perfect bad guy to insert into this romance angle. And Sammy, you discovered your Mm. research. This isn't even the first romance angle that Dolph has been a part of. No, I, he's been in like no less than four. And I kind of wanted to ask you, is that something that WWE or maybe just any promotion does when somebody is generally attractive, they have to put them in love and like, romances i don't know if that's specifically why he gets cast in this me personally i think it's just because he's good at it and so he's believable as a romantic as as a love triangle bad guy Mm -hmm. and he plays it really well and he's a very good he's very good at being a smarmy heel which is kind of what you want for that sort of story so i don't know i mean i don't know how he feels about being typecast and all that kind of stuff maybe he's just grateful to do the storyline but i think it's just generally He's very good at playing the role, so he gets put in the role a lot. It, it, even when he's getting beat up, he kind of has this like fluffy, frizzy hair being like, oh, 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 well, I never, you know what I mean? Just truly <laughs> exactly what you want to have happen to a bad guy. He knows just how to ruffle his hair to be like, oh, well, it looks I like the loser wins again. And you're just like, all right, <laughs> like you got to relax it. I just wanted to say it, what's extra funny is as far as I could tell, I don't think Dolph Ziggler had anything to do with Mandy and Sonia before <laughs> December 27th, because what he was up to right before this happened is he's more or less a henchman mm-hmm. for for this wrestler. His name is Baron Corbin, who won King of the Ring. And as we said, sometimes King of the Ring is like a tournament where you win. You're granted the title of King of the Ring and they give you a crown and they give you a scepter. And some characters go absolutely insane when they become King of the Ring and they truly carry the king character with him. So this this wrestler, Baron Corbin, he won and then he wore the crown and then he became King Corbin and was just a real lunatic. And so he was in a feud with Roman Reigns right before he got into his tribal chief storyline. And yeah. so King Corbin was just beating the crap out of Roman Reigns like every week. And so mm-hmm. truly right before this Mandy, Sonia, Otis storyline happens, what Dolph Ziggler did was he beats the crap out of Roman Reigns. He slaps handcuffs on Roman Reigns. He throws his arms over the <laughs> over the turnbuckle. And so Roman is just kind of dangling on the outside. Then he goes under the ring and he grabs two cans of dog food. And he goes, Ridiculous. oh, Roman, you want to be the big dog? Why don't you eat like one? And then they oh just jump God. dog food on Roman Reigns and they're barking at him and they're howling at him. <laughs> And I remember everybody when this happened was not like, whoa, I think King Corbin went too far. I think everybody was like, what the fuck was that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty mean. Also, we mentioned uh, Never Been Kissed in the setup to this episode. And this is something that happens in Never Been Kissed. Drew Barrymore's high school friend gets dog fooded at the dance. It's crazy. It's fucking, it's nuts, dude. Which is why he's the perfect villain for a love story <laughs> because he's already yeah. never been kissing people. And now he's about to try to, she's all that, Otis. <laughs> <laughs> so the next episode of SmackDown is January 3rd and Mandy approaches Otis backstage while he's curling a metal barrel, as one does. And he's so sad about the fruitcake that he's not even looking at her. He mentions that he didn't see the show but his mom did and she saw that mandy allowed dolph to smash the fruitcake 
and Mandy's apologetic, but Tucker comes to take Otis away, and Otis is ushered off, and Tucker gives Mandy this very long, disappointed, like, disapproving look that made me feel a little guilty, and I'm not even in the storyline. <laughs> and it truthfully... Mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of cool when Dolph Ziggler stomped on the guy. Like I thought, I was like, "Sorry, dude, that that's like kind of crazy that he did that with Jordans." But I thought it was kind of <laughs> sick that he did it. Yeah, every fruitcake that I've had, I felt like wanting to stomp on it. So I don't really feel like Dolph is that is is out of line. Is out of line. Sorry, everyone. Yeah, all of a sudden the story has become more complicated. We find ourselves <laughs> rooting for Dolph Ziggler. No, we're not. No, 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 no. <laughs> of course we're not. Just of course not. Fruitcake. <laughs> we're anti fruitcake, of course. Although <laughs> I might take be that pro. Out of context. <laughs> what you can quote me on? I'm always pro mm. Dolph Ziggler. I think that dude is awesome. <laughs> so Otis has a one-on-one match with Drew Gulak, and this is my first uh, experience with the Drew Gulak, and he is a he comes off as a big dork and I don't think I'm wrong. So he's like, Oh, I'm WWE's foremost expert on the grappling arts. And Otis, you're lucky because I'm also an expert on matters of the heart. And I'm sorry to tell you that Mandy doesn't want anything to do with you. In fact, she would probably want to date Dolph or <laughs> me. And here's a 372 PowerPoint presentation on why you're a fool for thinking that Mandy could like you. And I like the beginning graphic. It's kind of funny. So it's like yeah. cartoon Mandy, cartoon Otis. And I really, really, really wanted to see more slides. But Otis obviously is so pissed that he pulls uh, Drew over the top rope like <laughs> pretty quickly and starts kicking his ass. Just for a little bit of context. So Drew Gulak was mm-hmm. like we said, there were a lot of smaller indie guys who were good at that kind of thing and so they Mm -hmm. made their own new show where they could just put all the smaller they're called cruiserweights generally and so Uh. the distinction was anybody under 205 pounds would be part of the it was called 205 live it would be this new separate cruiserweight division basically and so drew gulak got put in this and his character was basically all these guys were high flyers but he mm. didn't like that kind of thing. And so he became this real point Dexter. <laughs> um, Actually, you guys are breaking the rules. And so he made PowerPoints and stuff. And so his bit was always, he made a super long, boring PowerPoint presentation on why people should follow the rules and then he would <laughs> get his ass kicked. So while Otis is kicking Drew's ass, we're, we cut to backstage where Mandy and Sonia and Dolph are watching the match on a monitor and Dolph is like I'm I'm so sorry Mandy I was I was nervous and how is that an explanation for stomping on a cake like I I'm a nervous guy but I don't think I would ever put my foot on pastry uh, ever do you agree well Sammy oh uh-oh. hate to be this guy but uh-oh. I've never done anything almost exactly like that but I will say men are pretty notorious for doing super stupid shit to try to impress (laughs) women. And so I'm not saying it's right or it's cool or that she would be impressed by that kind of thing. I'm not saying it's right that Dolph did it. And I I think on some level, he didn't think that Mandy would be impressed. Also, I don't think he did this to, to impress her. I think that's just what he's trying to play into of just, I just like you so much. and I was trying to impress you. So I stomped on this cake or whatever. So Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's right. I am saying it's believable that he did it. (laughs) Okay, fair. So he's giving Mandy 
empty apologies. Mandy really, really wants Dolph to apologize to Otis, which I think just shows how much of a good person she is. And she really wants Otis's feelings to be not hurt anymore. But Dolph is a bad guy. And during this episode of SmackDown, he does try to dog food Roman Reigns yet again. <laughs> Dolph, you got to chill. And I, I think this is where I wanted to, sh- to, to underline that at this point in the story, mm-hmm. Mandy Rose and Sonya are bad guys. They're heels too. And so... This is Mandy is being a little bit out of character right now by saying, hey, Dolph, you need to apologize to Otis. And so I do think on some level you can see Sonia bristling a little bit, being like, what, why do we? Yeah, what, what yeah why sorry? do we care about Otis? Like, why? Like, normally we just are mean to people and beat them up and use them. But you're being weird, Mandy. <laughs> like, Stop being a good person. We like to shove people in lockers, you dork. So the next episode of SmackDown is January 10th. And Mandy sweetly got Otis in I'm Sorry Cake. And it's cute, one, because it's in Smack, the, the frosting is in SmackDown colors. But also, she got a little tiny toy tractor on the cake. And so it says, I'm sorry, sad face. Mandy has to run off after giving the cake to Otis. And then Otis and Tucker actually take the cake out while Mandy is wrestling Alexa Bliss and Alexa gets so distracted that Mandy is able to pin her and take the win. So the next episode is January 17th and before Sonya's match, she asks Mandy if she can ask Otis to be ringside. So in the week prior, Otis showed up and Mandy took the win. So now Sonya's in this weird thing where she's like, I was confused before about you and Otis, but I think I get it now, hint, hint, wink, wink. And I'm kind of confused about what Sonya is getting at. But I think now that you're talking about how Sonya and Mandy are heels, this makes a lot more sense. Because the week before, Otis's crush and his love brought them out to ringside where they distracted the opponents and Fire and Desire were able to get the win. So I'm kind of thinking maybe Sonya in her bad guy heel mind is like, oh, Mandy is using Otis. Mm -hmm. And so we can use him to distract our opponents and we can keep winning. Although that might not be what's going on. I think that's what Sonya is seeing in her villainous mind. So Otis and Tucker do end up ringside and it gets to a point where Mandy's not in the match, but she's standing on the apron and Nikki Cross knocks Mandy off and Otis catches Mandy and... Sonia is so distracted by wanting to make sure that Mandy's okay that she ends up getting pinned. So Otis does come ringside, but it works in Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss's favor. Womp womp, Sonia. I'm looking at this from Sonia's perspective, and it does mm-hmm. seem like ever since Otis got in the mix, you know, Mandy's distracted. She's losing matches. She's not at ringside. She's not taking this seriously. And now all of a sudden she looks ringside and, and Otis and Mandy are all cuddled up and they're losing matches. Like I can see where Sonya's coming from. Mandy does apologize to Sonya because she's she's just a good she's just a good fish. And so she's apologizing to Sonya and Sonya's like, ah, it's no big deal, dog. We are fire and desire. We are not fire and desire in Otis. We don't need him ringside. So they're like, we agree. No more Otis at ringside. (laughs) (laughs) Deal. Wink. 
Cut to the Royal Rumble. All hope is lost. Like Mandy Rose, she's she's about to lose the Royal Rumble. She falls. She hits the ground, but she doesn't hit the ground because she lands on Otis. That's right. No Instead way. of staying away from ringside, Otis has <laughs> wandered out and is, you know, the way some some noble people will like put their cape in front of a puddle so that like. Mm-hmm. So that a lady can step over the puddle. Otis is using himself as a cape to protect Mandy from touching the outside. He lifts beautiful. her up and he puts her back in the Royal Rumble. That's that's beautiful stuff. I like that a lot. And the commentators also really liked it a lot. They're like, oh, this is the sweetest thing we've ever seen. The storyline is getting everybody like really yeah. And I remember watching this Royal Rumble live and it was one of those because I think most wrestling fans are pretty cynical. And so Mm -hmm. when we saw that happen, it was one of those things where even the most cynical of wrestling social media people that I follow were all like, oh, that was cute. That was cute that Otis did that. (laughs) He helps Mandy back into the ring. It's like, oh, wow, this is like a very cute, genuine gesture. And I think you can see that like that was really that meant a lot to Mandy. Mm -hmm. You know, because oh, yeah. it, it's also one of those things, right? Sonia talked a pretty big game before the match, but when the chips fell, who was there to make the save? Otis. Otis. And then Sonia fell onto Mandy and Otis because Otis caught Mandy a second time, but the second time ended up being a flop because Otis couldn't carry both Sonia and Mandy. Well, I think he was ready for Mandy, Mandy but then all of a sudden, yeah. Sonia kind of, as a... As like a a friend who sort of is not happy with the 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 budding romance, I think was sort of like, oh, catch me too, and then knocks them both <laughs> yeah, over, and then on. everybody gets eliminated. And you're like, all right, Sonia, you you knew Otis wasn't ready for that. I feel like you kind of did it a little bit to make him look bad. That's how I feel. Because like you <laughs> know, Sonia crazy. was probably backstage being like. I mean, he says he's so strong, but he couldn't catch both of us. Like, that seems crazy. You're like, no, you just did it when he wasn't ready. Like, I know there. what I like is there's little subtle, you know, li- like playing around the edges, little subtle manipulations happening here. Your foil hat is showing. Absolutely. I think Bianca Belair just tossed her ass out. And also, I guess the reason why I'm like looking for manipulation where there isn't any is that's the kind of shit I would do. And so yeah, I would have probably done that and got myself eliminated and be like oh, wow it's just it's really disappointing that otis couldn't catch both of us <laughs> right mandy right like that's kind of weird yeah we're a package deal right so again maybe sonia's not as much of a villain as i am but i was just like if i was sonia i would absolutely be using that <laughs> i'm so glad that you're finally revealing yourself as the villain of wrestling academy <laughs> no i love everybody it's, it's about this episode <laughs> so that's the royal rumble Mm-hmm. We go to the next week on SmackDown. So it's January 31st. Mandy comes to thank, uh, like she comes and she's like, hey, I just wanted to say thank you for helping me out at the Royal Rumble. That was like so cool. And that was so sweet. And then you can see Tucker kind of nudge Otis being like, do it, dude. Shoot your shot. And so Otis musters up the courage. and He's like, Mandy, would you like to go on a date with me next Friday? Yes. But Sammy, Mandy looks Otis. And she goes, Otis, sorry, but. I have plans next Friday, but I'm free the Friday after that. Oh, my gosh. Heart swell moment. And everyone's like, yes, like, absolutely. So she leaves and then Tucker puts it together in the background. He goes, Otis, do you know what's in two weeks? Valentine's Day, bro. You've got a date for Valentine's Day. The most romantic day of all days. Yeah. The perfect low pressure environment to go on your very first date. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh boy. So then the next week on Raw, Otis and Tucker, what I love about what I love about Tucker is he's like, I'm here for my boy. Like my boy is mm-hmm. about to go on this Valentine's Day date. I'm gonna do everything in my power to get him ready. So they do a full on Rocky style montage getting love Otis it. ready for the date. So it starts with them hitting the gym. Otis is like, I got to get in peak physical condition to go on this date. Of course. <laughs> and then they do this thing where they're showing table manners, right? Where they <laughs> plop a steak on the table and he immediately wants to grab it. And, uh, and then Tucker's like, ah, 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 what if we used a fork? Just that kind of thing. And then they do yep. a full on 90s try on outfits montage. Yes. And so, Sammy, it. I just want to run yep. through these looks with you. And I just want to okay. get some honest feedback on how you think some of these outfit choices would go. So the first okay. look. Otis struts out. He's wearing his own T-shirt. So he's wearing a heavy machinery T-shirt, but (laughs) has popped on a red bow tie. So, Sammy, Mm -hmm. I just want to ask you, if you were going on a date and Mm -hmm. a person showed up on the date wearing Mm -hmm. a T-shirt of themselves and a red (laughs) bow tie, what would that do for you? How would you feel about that? My line is crossed at the bow tie. I am a person that has merch of myself. I am not a person of of note. And so I think that somebody showing up with their own merch is understandable. That's not a deal breaker. It's the bow tie. (laughs) Truly it is. Well, here's the thing. Tucker Mm. agrees with you. He sees the bow tie and the shirt and he goes, no, 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 no. So he shoes him away. We come back with the next look. Otis struts out in a Mandy Rose crop top (laughs) and his trunks and he's modeling it. And so you said you have merch. And so I was Mm -hmm. wondering, what would you do if a potential date showed up to the date wearing your T-shirt? They would immediately become somebody I would only be friends with. Because if it is a first date and they already have Sammy merch, that's just too much. If it was several dates in and they have a Sammy shirt, totally fine. But the first one, it's unacceptable. And I think Tucker sees that too. He's like, no, 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 no. Like, this will not do. So then, look three, we come back. And Otis is now wearing, he's back to the heavy machinery shirt. So he's back to his own shirt, but mm-hmm. has now popped on a blazer. So it's now yes. his own t-shirt, blazer, trunks. How do we feel about this? I love it. Tucker, kind he agrees, but he looks, he's like, something's missing here. And so he rips the sleeves off the blazer. Oh. So now Otis is wearing a sleeveless blazer, heavy machinery shirt, trunks. How do yes. we feel about this look for the date? Yes, if I don't know the word for the opposite of deal breaker, that is it. If I could tear off everyone's sleeves, I would love a okay. shoulder. So love you shoulder. love sleeve you love sleeveless blazer. You think that yeah. should you think that should be the new thing? Absolutely. Okay. And so they, it's like perfect perfect rom-com style pull off the sleeves and like honestly, dude, you're ready for this date. So we cut to February 14th. It's Valentine's Day. It's the day of the big date. And so Otis, he's at SmackDown. He gets a text from Mandy that says, hey, I'm running a little bit late. Can we push the start time back? Pretty classic date stuff. Stuff happens. I get it. People are busy. And so he's like, yeah, sure. I'll be there a little bit later. Makes perfect sense. And then he confides in his boy Tucker and he goes like, listen, totally fine to start the date a little bit later, but it's just that's more time for me to just like worry. And I'm just so, I'm just so sad. I don't know what to do. And then Tucker gives Otis 
what I can only describe as the pump up speech I pretty much give you before we record every <laughs> single episode where he's got his arm around Otis and he's like, no, dude, like you're valuable and you're so good. And she's lucky to be on this date with you. And like, I'm so excited for you to do this. Like, you're going to crush it. Like, this is going to be the perfect date. Otis rolls into a super fancy restaurant. He's got the he's got the sleeveless blazer. He's got the heavy machinery T-shirt. He has opted to put on a red vest underneath. Yeah. So now he's got yep. a T-shirt, vest, sleeveless blazer, and he's also <laughs> added a bow tie. No. And then this kind of crushes it for me. He's now wearing jeans. And I think it's like if he had walked in in his wrestler trunks, I think mm-hmm. it would have been like I would have excused the vest. I would have excused the tie. But mm-hmm. wearing jeans it's a bridge too far. I feel like the outfit completely falls apart now. And there's a Coco Chanel quote that mm-hmm. oh, look, I don't agree. <laughs> look, I don't agree with Coco Chanel on most things, but I do think this is pretty good fashion advice. And the advice goes as such. When you're leaving the house and you're taking a look at the outfit you're wearing, take one thing off then you're good to leave the house. And I think men in general should really take that advice to heart because fellas, look, I'm looking directly at you. Men, we're doing too many statement pieces, okay? If you want to look good, we got to pare down slightly, just slightly, like we're doing too much, right? Like the blazer, that's perfect. Blazer t-shirt, great. Blazer t-shirt vest, too much. Blazer t-shirt vest bow tie, way too much. Blazer vest bow tie jeans, Killed it. Ruined it. Take one of those things off, and I think he would have been in a much better spot. I really feel like if he kept it to trunks and not jeans, things would have gone differently. I I think so, too. So he rolls into this Michelin star restaurant, (laughs) right? Wearing sleeveless blazer, wrestling t-shirt, satin vest, and a a black bow tie. He goes up to the maitre d' and he's like, excuse me, have you seen a beautiful peach? The maitre d' knows exactly who he's talking about. He's like, of course he does. (laughs) He goes, why, yes, sir, right this way. (laughs) And so Otis, he, he holds up. Turns out he's brought a dozen roses to the date. He's super excited. Rounds the corner. He sees Mandy Rose and she's in a stunning red dress, like stunning red lipstick. I would say like she's normally a pretty fashionable fashion forward character, but I do think her outfit shows that she put a lot of effort into this date. I think it shows that she was really excited to be on this, which is important because Otis, he like, he, he, he turns the corner, he sees her and he goes like, And he psychs himself out. He goes back around the corner. He goes to pump himself up. And then we cut to a hand going on Mandy's shoulder. And we as an audience already know that that's not our sweet Otis's hand. But Mandy doesn't. So she goes, oh, Otis. And she looks up and it's that motherfucker Ziggler. He hasn't been around for weeks. For weeks he's gone feet dog feeding the Roman Empire and then all of a sudden here he is ruining the fucking Valentine's date. She's like, "Okay, hi." It's like, "Oh, I just so happen to be at this Michelin restaurant too." Like, "Would you yeah, mind if I Here I go. Would you mind if I had a seat?" So he sits down and that heartbreaking scene is what Otis sees. He sees his beautiful peach sitting across from that bastard Dolph Yeah, the pretty boy, captain of the football team. They're drinking wine and laughing together. And 
Otis takes his dozen red roses and he throws them on the ground and he dramatically storms out of the restaurant. And Sammy, here's what I wanted to ask you. When Otis throws the roses on the ground, he is two feet away from a table where people are just dining. And I guess I just want to know, what would you honestly do if you were at a fancy restaurant Mm -hmm. and you saw a guy walk in with a dozen roses and he looks across the room at two people laughing at a table and then you see him go... (laughs) And then he storms out of the restaurant. What would you, Sammy, honestly do if you honestly saw that? I would love it. I love this shit. I love seeing this shit. I would create so many different theories. My entire night, whatever my goal was, it has shifted into just theorizing and pretending I know all these stories and just... It's just, that's it. I love seeing stuff like this. Whenever I went on dates, I would dare my friends to come and throw wine into my face at these restaurants that I would go to just to just to create a scene. So one, it would be kind of funny to see what my date would do. And two, to give neighboring tables something to talk about, because I think it's so fucking funny and delicious to just see cinematic things happening on just a regular Uh, restaurant night day it'd be Mm. funny for sammy but it wasn't funny for otis he's devastated we cut to the february we cut to the next week where we're at the february 21st episode of smackdown otis he's so sad he doesn't know what to do tucker he's furious he goes to mandy to stick up on otis's behalf to be like hey look he was devastated to see he was super excited about this date he spent all this time getting ready and he walked in and he saw you on this date with dolph what the hell mandy what's going on we thought we thought things were so good and then mandy goes Tucker, I don't know what you're talking about. The only reason I sat down and like had dinner with Dolph is because Otis stood me up. Now Tucker's like, he's so mad. He doesn't even, it doesn't even register him. He was like, he's like, what are you talking about? Like you texted him saying you were going to run, you were running late. So he showed up late. She's like, what text? What are you talking about? Like they're getting, they're like arguing back and forth and kind of (laughs) nobody's hearing what the other one's saying because they're both just like, don't come at me. Like, don't come at me about getting dinner with Dolph. Like, the only reason I got dinner with Dolph is because Otis stood me up. And then Otis is like, the only reason Otis stood you up is because (laughs) you told me you were going to be late. (laughs) Yeah. What's what's a bummer is that if everybody was just a little bit more relaxed, everything would have straightened out. But obviously, that's not why we're here. We want more Classic rom-com situation. Tucker was so blinded by his own mission to stick up for Otis that he just storms away, not knowing that he has all the information to fucking just make this all go away. After he leaves, Sonia's trying to reassure Mandy because, you know, Mandy's distraught. She'd never wanted to hurt Otis. And she's confused. She's always so confused. And Sonia's like, well, you had a good time with Dolph, right? Like, Dolph Ziggler's more Mandy Rose's type anyway, right? Right, dude? Right? And Mandy's like, no. I really, really wanted to have this date with Otis. This fucking sucks. So later on in this episode, Mandy Rose is standing by a door with her bags and Dolph rolls up with his luggage and he's like, hey, what you doing? And she, and Mandy's you know, waiting for her ride and Dolph offers to give her a ride. Mandy accepts and they walk off together. And if that wasn't heartbreaking enough, we see Otis come out from behind some gearboxes. So he just saw Mandy 
willingly leave with Dolph again. I, I also want to say too, I think this is an important point. Like at this point in the story, we this is one of the rare situations where it's like we know who's behind the storyline. So it's a writer. Her name is Andrea Listenberger. And I listened to a couple of interviews with her. And mm-hmm. what I think is so interesting is like one, she didn't really have any connection to the WWE or wrestling. And much like we talked about in episode one of the podcast, she was always like, oh, whenever I checked in with wrestling when I was younger, it just didn't really seem like it was a thing for me. And I really didn't like the way that women were portrayed. And mm-hmm. so it kept her out of wrestling for a really long time. And so she got into comedy. She got into reality TV. And so then when she saw this opportunity to apply, like to apply and potentially work at the WWE, she was like, OK, cool. Like, I don't really have a wrestling background. Like, that's actually honestly perfect that's exactly what we're looking for so she took what she liked and was able to put that into a storyline context and so she was learning how to have the beats culminate in wrestling because she's like oh yeah if this were a movie (laughs) i would know what to do but because it's wrestling it always has to sort of culminate in different matches and different opportunities to further the story and the characters the reason why it's important that this segment that this whole storyline is written by a woman right Mm -hmm. is because i think if this had been written by probably a guy there would be a lot of those nice guy i was so nice to you and you didn't give me a date sort of tropes that are in those kinds of storylines and so i do think they acquit themselves pretty well where it's like yeah they're doing the trope right where it's like okay we don't want mandy to get together with dolph but you know he was around and she's heartbroken about this whole otis situation and Dolph sort of a shoulder to cry on and people do that all the time. And so she does it, but they, the next week have Tucker and Otis be like, Hey, listen, man, I know you're heartbroken about this whole situation, but we got to just get back out there. We got to keep putting ourselves out there. And so Mm -hmm. what I like about it is Otis doesn't dwell and he doesn't become obsessed and he's not, you know, he doesn't become all nice guy about it. And so it's like, I do think because there was a woman writing the storyline, she was able to like reroute and have it be way less problematic than it could have been, especially if it had been a wrestling storyline written by like a grizzled old wrestling storyline writer. I just, I really appreciate it because I think there are so many beats and moments that we feel genuinely that don't have to be coded in like weird dude stuff. So it's, Kind of clear at the March 6th, March 6th SmackDown that Mandy and Dolph are fully dating or in the beginning of dating. So Sonia and Mandy have a match and this grosses me out so much. Yeah, at the top of the ramp, about to walk down. And then Sonia literally goes like, come here to Dolph. And then he walks down the ramp with them. And he does cause a distraction enough that Fire and Desire win the match. It's just it's just really gross, and I don't love it. And, and Sammy, look, I hate to say this, but at the end of the day, they're all heels, you know? So maybe this yeah. is actually, like, a good fit. Maybe, maybe Otis, in the long run, right, it, it hurts, and it's disappointing, but maybe Otis is better off, and maybe he should just, like, leave well enough alone and he should just let Mandy get with a real man, Dolph Ziggler. (laughs) (laughs) I love Dolph. I think Dolph is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And so it was a suspension of disbelief where I'm like, look, I was like, look, I like Otis, but at the same, it's Dolph Ziggler. Come on. Who do you do? His name is Dolph, you dork. Leave him alone. (laughs) The guy's into surfing. What do you say? Come on. He's cool. (laughs) 
He's got camo and 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 pink under the camo. Come on, you're a maniac. You're a maniac. <laughs> Later on in the episode, Otis tries to approach Mandy and tries to apologize, but Mandy's not hearing it. She's had enough. It's been too long. It's too little, too late. From Mandy's perspective, Otis never showed up. And then didn't talk to her for several weeks. Made no attempt to to make it right. And it's like, look, you can disagree with it. But like Dolph was there. Dolph was around. And it's like, I bet they probably talked. And I bet, you know, you could say that you hate him. But I think Dolph's like a pretty charismatic guy. And I bet he was like pretty reasonable and had a lot of things to be like, what? All we did was have so much fun on that Valentine's Day. And so she's just getting the fun part. And Otis, I think at this point, that's just too much work. Who wants to get involved in something that's just so complicated when you can just leave it and, do, and 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 hang out with somebody who's fun? But what I do think is kind of funny in the I feel like we've all had this situation, right, where we have a friend who they have a shitty partner of some kind. Right. And they're just always around. And so it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, Mandy's at work. And then all of a sudden, Dolph is there, too, to be like, hey, babe, I'm at, I'm at. <laughs> it's like, babe, I'm at work. What do you do? Like, we don't have to hang out all the time. Before we move on, I do want to mention that it is March of 2020. Hmm. Hmm. What happened then, <laughs> Michael? Do you remember? March, of course, there was a global pandemic that shut literally everything down. And mm -hmm. what was interesting is that wrestling was still happening during COVID times. And so I was very curious, Sammy, how you felt seeing because we've seen some some pandemic era matches before, but it, we mm -hmm. saw it when they had gotten all of the everything ironed out. But this storyline is happening truly like March 6th. There's a show. And then the next one is March 20th. We're in lockdown. And so there's yeah. no crowd. They don't have the Thunderdome where they would have matches with Zoom screens or mm -hmm. crowd noises or any of that stuff. So it was just all happening in empty arenas. And there it was I was just curious, how did how did this fresh right while the pandemic is happening vibes? How how did that kind of wrestling grab you? Uh, it was tough. It was tough. I think the bright side, the fun part is hearing the wrestlers talk shit to each other and to Michael Cole. The bad side is seeing the wrestlers when they're used to a big crowd reaction not have that. They have to grit their teeth and move on. That sucks to see. Just displays how professional they are and so uh big kudos to all of the wrestlers that that went through that and yeah that's it's 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 it's, it's weird it's weird <laughs> there's a, a series of videos where they just cut the laugh tracks out of sitcoms and that's kind of what empty arena wrestling feels like where it is a lot of like i'm gonna make you pay otis and then it, like normally you're used <laughs> to people being like ah ah but it, it is just like Okay, and and now we're gonna fight, you know. And it's just sort of like, yeah, because they're trained to 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 have those pauses and those beats for reactions. But mm -hmm. since wrestling is a is an art is a sport that is based purely it's a performance based off of energy, and it is truly astounding to watch these professionals really try to be like, all right. And I mean, again, since there's a global pandemic, they have to pivot and they have to change plans, right? Mm -hmm. This is getting around the time of WrestleMania, and we're getting into the buildup, and so. As things start to ratchet up, it is a lot of having to shift the perspective to be like, I'm going to humiliate you in front of 
everyone watching at home. And it's just like, yeah, I guess. Like, <laughs> oh, I get what sucks. you're saying. But at the same time, we're all stressed out and we're all just like, yeah, dude, I don't even know. Like, is the world ending? Like, what's going on? You know, like, I think people were just really because that WrestleMania was about a month after we were all in lockdown. And, and it's like that we had just gotten out of the point where it's like, you know, we all kind of I think a lot of us were like, huh two weeks and then we're back to life as usual and then three weeks four weeks five weeks happens mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. uh oh oh no and so i do think we were th- this this wrestlemania falls right in that time where everybody's just like dude i don't know what life is gonna be like i i, I like i've never been more uncertain about anything and they're like hey check out wrestlemania <laughs> we entertain um you we do it and we'll do it all the time. Yeah, it was weird. And so this episode, the March 20th episode of SmackDown, is opened by our friend Paul Levesque. And he's like, ah, the performance center is where people train. And now this is where we're broadcasting. I'm sorry. Enjoy wrestling. <laughs> yeah, please still watch. Please still watch wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the the sponsors, they still, if they don't, if we don't do this, they'll take the money away. On March 20th, 2020, Heavy Machinery go up against The Miz and John Morrison at the Performance Center. And after a while, Michael Cole is joined by Dolph Ziggler at the commentary table, which is a recipe for disaster. And Michael Cole has, we've heard him throughout this entire storyline, kind of falling in love with the storyline. Yeah, he's falling, falling in, in love, love with, with the, he's falling in love with the idea of two people falling in love. He's, yeah. Michael Cole is all of us in this moment. He's just like, I saw this, this budding romance and I saw what yeah. happened to it. Yeah. And so he turns to Dolph and shamelessly asks him, why did you steal Mandy from Otis, Dolph? Like, why'd you do that? And Dolph rattles off rattles off some fucking bullshit. He interrupts Otis's caterpillar, and I don't think that we've touched on Otis's caterpillar yet, have we, Michael? No, we haven't. And the more we keep saying that, the more it sounds like we're talking about something else. <laughs> oh, geez, don't cut that. So there's a dance move called the worm, where you're on your two feet, and then you kind of like flop over and wave. Otis does that, but calls it the caterpillar because he uses the worm to inch toward his opponent. And then once he gets within jumping on to body range, he'll perform like an elbow drop or just a belly flop. I I guess I don't know the wrestling term for a belly flop, but basically he just flops his body onto someone after worming towards them for a little bit. Otis is in the ring doing the caterpillar and then Dolph unceremoniously interrupts and he's like, wait, 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 wait. Otis, I know that you're so smitten with my kitten. And I, I just think that uh you're a creep and you deserve to see pictures of me and Mandy together. And so he just shows he just shows Otis like three pictures <laughs> of him and Mandy. And Which, they're I'll not- be honest. They have no chemistry in these pictures. No, absolutely not. That's what I was getting at. Is that there are three pictures. <laughs> they're repeated. They're in the same outfit. And they're not cute couple photos. It's basically just Dolph next to Mandy a couple times. It sort of seems like she's going about her life and he keeps being like, hey, babe, selfie of us, right? 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 We're dating, right? Yeah, you know, it's. Me. 
<laughs> we're near each other, right? And I feel um, like in true rom-com fashion, you know, this is the yeah. part of the story where it's the, the like our, our two would be would be lovers are couldn't be further apart. And sure, Mandy is unavailable at the moment, right? She's she's mm-hmm. with Dolph now, but I think you can kind of see that like I just don't think it's fun for her anymore. And I think I think the cracks in who Dolph Ziggler is as a person and a romantic partner are starting mm. to show. Oh my goodness. Okay, yeah, you you dove real deep in here. Have you been listening to me? That's all I've been doing this episode. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we do at Wrestling Academy. Otis, seeing these three terrible photos, goes berserk, and he goes after Dolph. He only, unfortunately, gets one good throw in before The Miz and John Morrison. Surprise, the match is still happening. So they, they pull Otis back into the match, and Otis still goes freaking nuts he finds chairs and is just laying waste on these men unfortunately Dolph got away once Otis finally starts to breathe he just collapses and starts sobbing into Tucker's arms which is just so heartbreaking in the next episode March 27th 2020 we cut to Dolph backstage and he's on a FaceTime he's just Calling Otis a creep, Otis and Tucker storm over really quick, and there are already people trying to hold them back. And Dolph says, enough is enough. Otis, I challenge you to a match at WrestleMania. Otis agrees, and it's fucking on. And Mandy takes the opportunity to tell Dolph, like, hey, you can't treat me like a prize. Not something that you can win and also you don't need to rub you and me into otis's face you're a dick goodbye yeah i think she's pretty rightly being like look we're together but i feel like you're antagonizing otis and this match at wrestlemania it sort of feels like whoever wins gets me and it's just i'm just not with any of that and so i i would and i think dolph in in this smarmy manipulative bad guy in a rom-com way who's just like no 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 of course of course i just like i need to beat him for me and then we can put all this behind us and we can just get on with our lives babe and i don't think i don't think mandy's satisfied with that but i think no. she's is very clearly in the rom-com is dating the jerk and is so it's mm-hmm. like okay the jerk is gonna be a jerk and she's gonna do the mental gymnastics to stay in it but i do think you can start to see the threads start to come undone in Mandy's head where she's just like, man, it sort of seems like this is bad. It seems like being in a relationship with Dolph Ziggler is bad. It kind of looks to me that she didn't love it at all. And she just went with it. It just reminds herself, oh, it's early days. I can, I can leave and not like this stuff. Dolph is like, Hey Mandy, I totally hear what you're coming from. Like, we just need to get this WrestleMania thing behind us. Like, and I'm totally good to just leave this whole thing in the past. Cut to the very next week. Mm-hmm. Dolph Ziggler is in a match against Otis's tag team partner, Tucker, and he just starts beating the crap out of him. Like, they're hurting him so bad. Mm-hmm. At one point, he hits his finisher on the exposed steel steps, and Tucker's just laying there. He's messed up. He doesn't know what to do. And then and then Dolph, like, picks up the steps. He's going to crush him. And then Otis comes running out to be like, no, 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 don't do it. And then Mandy and Sonya, and, like, everybody's out there. There's chaos. Mm-hmm. They're trying to break up this fight that Dolph is clearly taking way too far, even though he said he was going to relax, right? 
Yeah. And then all of a sudden everything starts to glitch. And I don't really know how to t- contextualize this because there was a very strange storyline where this popped up for a little bit and then just sort mm-hmm. of fizzled out and they never explained it. But there was an anonymous hacker on SmackDown, who was determined to expose the truth of everything that was going on on SmackDown. Truly, think about the the hacker group Anonymous. This mm-hmm. is exactly what the the SmackDown hacker was trying to to pay uh, like homage to. And so, the SmackDown hacker in in the hoodie in the control room was just like, "The truth shall be revealed." And then the SmackDown hacker reveals Sammy extended clips of some footage we've already oh, seen. So it shows a security camera that's just in Mandy Rose's locker room. We're going to gloss over the implications of that. But there's a security camera and you can see that Sonia and Mandy are hanging out and Mandy is texting with Otis and then she puts her phone down and then you see Sonia pick up the phone and send a text to Otis saying, hey, I'm going to be late. Do you mind getting there like an hour later? Mm -hmm. We cut over and it's Otis in the clip we saw being like, yeah, of course, Mandy, happy to do it. Then we cut back and Sonia's like, great, see you then. Then Sonia deletes the two messages as though nothing had ever happened. But then we go one step further. We see in another backstage segment, Sonia is talking to Dolph Ziggler being like, listen, Otis isn't going to be there. It's up to you to swoop in and get Mandy because I think the two of you should be together. He's like, I can't wait to get together with Mandy. So he goes and this... This is revealed that this has been like a sh- this has been a she's all that esque plan that's been hatched by Sonia from the very start. We cut back to the arena and Mandy, she looks around. She doesn't know what to do. She's like the guy I'm with, Dolph Ziggler. We got together under under like weird contrived false pretenses like my best friend, my tag team partner. She completely betrayed me because she doesn't like Otis. She's just like said all this up like I don't know what to do. And she just like like it's too hot. She gets away. She leaves going into WrestleMania, Sammy, and everything mm-hmm. is in shambles. Yeah, like nobody's with anybody anymore. Nobody trusts anybody. And now this new alliance between Sony Deville and Dolph Ziggler, they're together and they're more heelish than ever before. They're not in, interested in each other romantically. I feel like they're like a platonic evil power couple. It's, it's a nightmare. And so they walk in and Otis has to fight solo because Tucker's hurt. He's so hurt he can't come to WrestleMania. And so now Otis has to fight Dolph Ziggler with Sonya Deville sort of lurking around helping Dolph cheat and Otis unlocks a side of himself that I had not seen since he was in NXT he's all business he's just kicking ass and he's not being goofy and it's like he's just here to settle a score and so Mm. they're fighting they're fighting it only ends up being about an eight minute match but it's a match of hard hitting intensity in an empty arena so it is Mm -hmm. one of those things where through sheer force and determination, the world was completely uncertain. And so you are watching two performers be like, we got to put on the best show we possibly can. And so they're like, everybody is fucking going for it. And it seems like Otis is starting to get the upper hand when all of a sudden Sonya hops up on the barricade. She starts distracting the referee. And when she does, Dolph Ziggler, look, there's a lot of different low blows that heels do. And there's Mm -hmm. one in particular to me that I always think is the heeliest one. And it's the straight up drop kick from behind. And so Otis has his back turned. Dolph gets up and just straight up like 
what? Like he just gives them a low blow kick and Otis goes down. It looks like it hurts so bad. And that was a bridge too far. Mandy Rose is now like, how dare you? She comes storming out to the ring. Sonia at this point is like, whoa, Mandy, Mandy, like, like, I understand you're upset. Mandy smacks Sonia in the face. Dolph Ziggler's like, you're ruining everything. Like, just let me do this. Let me win. And then it's over in true rom-com bad guy fashion. When, when the woman's made up his mind, the guy just screaming like, you made a mistake. You're ruining it all. And you're just like, dude, you're I don't dumb. think she you're is, dumb. man. You're like, a dumb woman. <laughs> yeah, you're nah. just like, yeah, dude, I think you're kind of revealing yourself as like not a good <laughs> yeah. dude and a bad option. And yeah. you're you're letting you're letting the romantic lead know that she chose right and, and dumping your ass. And so she looks at Dolph and then just gives him a because normally low blows are from behind, but she wanted to be like, Dolph, I want you to see me do this. And she drops down and goes like, oh, and just straight oh up God. uppercuts him in the junk and and Dolph his hair is all crazy and he's like and he goes down (laughs) that allows Otis to hop back up he rolls he does the caterpillar and then Mm -hmm. he hits him with the elbow and then he goes one two three Otis wins yes (laughs) and then Mandy hops into his arms and they're like cheering everybody like they're soaking it all up the the commentators are going crazy because we're in an empty arena so there is no crowd reaction so (laughs) you're just seeing Michael Cole being like oh my god oh yes oh this is great and then Mandy and Otis lock eyes and they kiss on the lips for the first time and it's so sweet yes Love, Love wins. wins. Love it conquers won. all. I watched the episode of SmackDown right after WrestleMania, and Tucker confronts Dolph and Sonya, and basically does the same like Dolph Ziggler speech where he where he's he says, "Dolph, I know that you have feelings for my friend's kitten. I think you deserve to see these pictures of them," and he shows Dolph. Pictures of Otis and Mandy thriving. And it is a really just like sweet revenge moment. And I'm so glad that that they slid that in. Yeah, a perfect cinematic ending to being like, hey, you tried to humiliate Otis, but look how much chemistry they have in these pictures, dude, because they're really in love. Unlike you guys who are geeks. <laughs> yeah, and in, 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 and in a perfect mirror of Dolph Ziggler's slideshow it was also only three photos and it was all (laughs) they were all taken on the same day (laughs) you love it you love to see it and just to i guess to wrap it up a month later there's the money in the bank where you climb the ladder and you get Mm -hmm. a shot at the title otis is so popular he wins the money in the bank that year and it starts this whole thing but then like he gets involved in this program with The Miz and then The Miz oh, wow. uses his backstage power because he set his sights on being like, Otis, you don't deserve the money in the bank briefcase. I'm going to take it from you. And so he mm. sets his sights. He uses his backstage power to manipulate it and he splits up Mandy and Otis. He puts them on two different shows. So one's on Raw, the other's on SmackDown. And he's like, I'm going to take that briefcase from you. And then when we get to the October Hell in a Cell, he's fighting The Miz and whoever wins the match gets to keep the contract and then Sammy, his best friend Tucker, betrays him and he lets the Miz win. The Miz takes the Money in the Bank contract. Mandy and Sonya, they're fighting for pretty much the better part of that summer. So after this big WrestleMania thing, they're feuding for the rest of the summer and it culminates at SummerSlam, August 23rd, 2020, in a loser leaves the WWE match. Oh my God. And then Mandy Rose wins. She's able to, to kick her betraying friend like out of the WWE. You're gone, dude, never to come back. 
And then sadly, three years later, Mandy Rose quietly gets fired from the WWE. But sure. Sammy, that's a story yeah. for a different for day. Another, for another day. <laughs> for a whole other day. <laughs> and that takes us to the end of the ballad of Otis and Mandy Rose. Sammy, how did you feel? I feel I feel really, really good. I feel really happy. I'm so glad that the storyline was finished <laughs> like it was wrapped up in a beautiful little bow i think that i i really wish we would have had that wrestlemania match in front of an audience but i also recognize that this is a such a feel good storyline that maybe we needed it since you watched it live did you feel like pretty uplifted by the story? This not only happened at such a crazy time in just the world, but also mm-hmm. this happened at a really crazy time in wrestling where people were pretty down on the creative storytelling that was happening inside of WWE. And this storyline was such a breath of fresh air and everybody that I know like was really taken with the story and what they loved is that it followed all the beats of a rom-com, but it didn't take the crappy kind of stereotypical tropes that wrestling storytelling falls into, especially with Mm -hmm. romance angles and betrayals and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's just like hats off to the writer, uh, Andrea Listenberger. Like I do think like it was so awesome that she was involved in this and so happy that she was able to like fully inject a completely different genre that you don't really normally see into wrestling. Yeah. And and we got like a, a brand new story. And that's what I like about wrestling as a whole is it can be the full spectrum of this is just like a goofy, funny romance storyline. And you can also have a really serious, dark betrayal storyline, too. But it, there's mm-hmm. room for all of it inside inside of the world of wrestling. And that's what I like about it so much. As we were digging into research, I found that putting Mandy and Otis together was actually Mandy's idea. So she, from what I read once, Mandy noticed that Otis was posting <laughs> photos of her on his social platforms and not in a creepy way because he was just being supportive. And so she took that and was like, I would like to work with Otis in a storyline. So she brought it up to WWE executives. They loved it. And she and Sonia were able to have a lot of creative input with Andrea, which I really, really appreciate. And obviously, I think it, it shows that it was a collaborative effort between people who wanted to be gentle and nice, (laughs) like have a really nice storyline. And do and say something wholesome because sometimes that's the exact right thing that you need. It it, it fell at the perfect time and the perfect Mm -hmm. confluence of events happened to make this a real wholesome and uplifting wrestling story, which you don't always get. Yeah. And even just stories that complete. (laughs) Yeah. Stories that complete. And I got to (laughs) say, Sammy, yeah. I love the story. I love doing this podcast with you. I love everybody <laughs> who listens to Wrestling Academy. And we just want to thank you for listening to Wrestling Academy, which is hosted, produced, and edited by me, Michael Classic, and you, Sammy Junio. You can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, or YouTube at Wrestling Academy Pod. You can send us an email at WrestlingAcademyPod at gmail.com. Yes, I love you, babies. And I love it when you follow, rate, And if you like what you're hearing or watching, leave us a positive review wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. Yeah, a five-star review, a thumbs up. We Mm -hmm. we 
<laughs> we love you. Love us too. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. Love us too. <laughs> but check out Spotify specifically if you want to participate in any Q&As or polls that we have for every single episode. And please, if you have any information on Ween Kid, go to our website, wrestlingacademy.university to send in an anonymous tip or call the Ween Kid tip line and leave us a voicemail. The number is 708-669-4512. 708-669-4512. I love you. We love you. Michael, I love you, Happy dog. Valentine's Day. I love you too, Happy Sammy. Valentine's I'm so Day. glad we got to do this episode. Toodle-doo. Class is dismissed. <laughs> Wait, blow a kiss, with, blow a kiss to the audience with me, Sammy. Yeah.